0: Bible reading today is found in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 to 14. I think you might have heard it before but please do listen again. It's under the heading of spiritual blessings in Christ and if you'd like to hear more about them and how to have them, which you can, please listen. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves." In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will will have reached their fulfilment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together, under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit of, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And thank you Lord for your precious word. Amen.
1: Thank you uh, Dorothy for reading that passage of scripture. Yes, we've had that read haven't we? the past uh, few weeks we've had added four more verses to it actually so it's 1 to 14 this morning let's, let's pray Father we thank you Lord for your word we ask Lord that you'd encourage our hearts this morning uh, that together we'll grow in the knowledge of Christ uh, celebrate the, the fact that Christ has chosen us that we are redeemed in Christ that we're restored and adopted in Christ and that we have our inheritance in Christ that we are your possession Lord pray you bless the preaching of your word, in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, friends, imagine if you were to receive a letter in the mail. Usually, what we get in the mail is are all bills, don't we? Usually, but imagine if you get this uh, letter in the mail from a lawyer saying, "Congratulations, we have read the will of your deceased uncle, who has left to you his entire inheritance of." Four million dollars. Imagine that. Imagine that. How would you respond? You open this letter and you have this written by a law firm saying you have received an inheritance of four million dollars. He's left it all for you. What would you do? I mean, what would you do? What would I do? Will I stop working? Will I invest my money? What would you and I do with such an inheritance? I'm sure you'll be excited, you'll be thankful, you'll be rejoicing that you got it and uh, there you are. An inheritance that you did not expect to get and you got it. Well, the story is told of a man by the name of Jack Rum, I think that's how you pronounce his name, who walked along a beach near San Francisco in 1949. Jack had lost his job and was completely out of money. Walking along the beach, he saw the waves wash a bottle onto the shore. Looking closer at the bottle, he found that the tightly corked bottle had a message in it. He opened the bottle and read the note which had these words. To avoid any confusion, I leave my entire estate to the lucky person who finds this bottle. And to my attorney, Barry Cohen, share and share alike, signed, Daisy Singer Alexander, 20th June 1937. Now Jack did his investigation and found out that the note had in fact been written by Daisy Singer Alexander, the beneficiary to the Singer sewing machine fortune. And she had thrown the bottle into the Thames River in England, and it had made its way out to sea, drifting halfway around the world, for some 12 years. By picking up that bottle, Jack received half of a 12 million dollar (laughs) estate. He received an unexpected inheritance. You see, the moral of the story is, it's always good to go to the beach. (laughs) You never know what you'll expect. (laughs) enjoy the beach. (laughs) Oh, well, it's more than that, isn't it? This morning, friends, our text speaks of an inheritance, an inheritance that is not just in a bottle, an inheritance that is, that will not fade away, an inheritance that cannot be compared with no matter how many millions of dollars we receive here on earth. So, so far, we have worked our way through Ephesians chapter 1, 1 to 10, and this morning we continue our passage, we continue to look at Ephesians uh, chapter 1, and we look at uh, verses 11 to 14. You see, as I mentioned previously, verses 3 to 14 continues this long sentence, which began at verse 3 and ends at verse 14. Paul, I've been blessed and praised God for election, predestination, and adoption in Christ, goes on to praise God for the inheritance that is ours in Christ. And so this morning, as we work our way through Ephesians, we will focus our thoughts on our text, verses 11 to 14. We see here this morning his possession, we see here today also his seal, and we also see his inheritance, which becomes ours. The Apostle Paul says, In him we have obtained an inheritance Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Notice that Paul says, in him. If you look at the book of Ephesians, you would notice these words, in him, many times. Paul wraps up all the spiritual blessings in him. It is in Christ that everything flows and comes and has its being and all its blessings comes in Christ. And so Paul says we have obtained an inheritance. If you look at verse 13 he says in him you also when you heard the word of truth and so forth received that word. You see the word the, the, the we that we have here in verse 11 is a reference then to the Jews. And the you that we see in verse 13 is a reference to the Gentile Ephesian Christians. And the point here, we must not miss that out this morning, the point here is that out of all the nations, the Jews were chosen to be his people. We see that in the Old Testament. But now, out of them, God has chosen this we, that is, the first of Israel, the early Christian Jews, including Paul himself, who had believed in Jesus the Messiah. And so Paul says that those who are in Christ, they are God's possession. The church is God's possession, they are His heritage. God has chosen a people as His own inheritance, they are God's prized possession. What Paul is saying here is, yes, the Jews were chosen in the Old Testament, but now in Christ, God has chosen these people out of the Jews to know Christ, to know him as the Messiah, and he has also now called in the Gentiles. And they, the Gentile Christians, that you and I were not Jews, unless there are any Jewish people here who are Christians this morning, I suspect not, maybe I'm wrong, but... For us Gentile Christians, together, we then, are God's prized possession. This is part of God's plan for his church, his redeemed people. What a wonderful encouragement for us to know this morning, friends, that in him, we, that look at verse 11, were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be be to the praise of his glory. And you also were included in that. That's what we need to see here. That God has now opened in Christ the gospel to all nations. When I look around here this morning... You see, people born in Sri Lanka, people born in Vietnam, people born in China, all over the place. I think last time we counted, we had 23 or 24 different nationalities in this congregation. A a, a broad spectrum of people groups that God has now incorporated as His prized possession. And His church throughout the world is God's prized possession. His precious people. What a wonderful comfort that is for you and for me. Especially when we think about the suffering church. We think about the persecuted church. We think about our brothers and sisters in Christ, particularly in the Middle East. We hear of horrific stories of Christians being being killed and being persecuted, being martyred, deprived of food, deprived of employment, the church under attack. Yet God says in his word, That they and us and the church universal is mine. My prized possession. You are mine. Because why? I have chosen you before the foundations of this world. I have elected you out of my love. I have redeemed you by the blood of Christ. I have forgiven you all your sins. I have adopted you into my family I have given you the right to become children of the true and living God. You are my children, and now you are my prized possession. That's what we see here. This is God's plan, and it's been worked out in history. You see, if you look at verses 9 and 10, which we did last week. Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which is set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. I, I did refer to, uh, to let me let me quote him again this morning, quickly. You see, uh, Dr. R.S. Sproul says this, the destiny of creation is not an open-ended uh, matter of chance, but that he has a divine, omnipotent ability to work out that plan, God has a determined destiny for this world. And right in further, Sproul says this, I can't think of anything designed to create more optimism in the church of Jesus Christ than to know that the future of this planet, the future of reality, is in the hands of Of whom? God alone. You see, this world is not going aimlessly. History, as I said last week, is God's story. It's his master plan of God bringing his prized possession into being, into existence by redeeming them in Christ. And he has a plan for this world that is being worked out. And sometimes it's hard to see that plan, isn't it? It's hard to work out that plan. It's hard to understand things that that goes on in our own lives, (laughs) let alone trying to understand what's going on in the world. You and I all have plans, right? Am I right in saying that? Generally, we have plans. You might have a plan to retire, you might have a plan to to have your finances okay, you have a plan for your family. uh, If you're When you are in the kitchen, you have a plan what you're going to cook for your family to eat today. We we all have general plans. You plan the week. You plan your diary. If you've got your phone, you put put all your appointments on that diary so that you know you have a general plan what's going to take place. God has a plan. It's a big plan. And that's what we're going to see in our text here this morning as we unpack this passage. And part of the plan we see here is that both Jews and Gentiles, chosen by God according to his will, to believe and trust in Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one. And so believing Jews in Paul's day were the first two in Christ have become inheritors of the will, by the will of God. And Gentiles have also now received the same promise and what is the result of God designing of all of this in history? That God is going to sum it up in his son Jesus and place everything under his headship. And so Paul says in verse 12, So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. It is a praising of God. That's what Paul is saying That God has done this and is doing this and it is the praise of his glory. Then Paul moves on. If you look at our passage this morning, in verse 13, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and we believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So that is Gentile Christians, Jews, Christ, Jewish Christians, all now are marked with the Holy Spirit. And God, he says, has put a seal upon your life. Now, what does Paul mean by the word seal? What does it mean to be sealed by the Holy Spirit? See, the word seal is used in different ways in the New Testament. Let me, let me quickly go through them. In Matthew 27, 66, we note that the tomb of Jesus was secured by... What did they do? They sealed the tomb, Right? It was sealed. In Revelation chapter 20, God throws Satan into a pit and seals it over. Another is found in Romans chapter 4 and in verse 11, where Abraham's circumcision is called the sign and the seal of righteousness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 2, Paul says his converts are the seal of his apostleship. In Revelation 7, 3, he says, the seal of God is put on the forehead of his servants. So we get the idea here that the seal is a stamp of authority, a stamp of ownership, a stamp, a sign of authenticity. For example, when when we use, uh, seals are used to confirm the authenticity of a document. When I became an Australian citizen many years ago, uh, we lived in Nurat. I had the ceremony in Camperdown, and uh, I had to obviously give up my Sri Lankan uh, citizenship. And, and those of us who have adopted Australia as an adopted nation, you know what I'm speaking of, right? It's not easy. Uh, it's emotional when you have to hand over your, your, your country of birth, it's, its authority, the passports, everything to another nation. It, it's, it's not an easy thing, right? Uh, there are moments with stuff. Anyway, so I I went for this ceremony and I received my certificate and on the certificate is the seal of the Australian government that confirms, and you know that if you become an Australian citizen by adoption here, that it confirms to me the official seal of the Australian government. It confirms my citizenship status. There was one question that was asked by that man. I can't remember his name, the mayor or whoever he was in that area. He said to me, I'm giving you this certificate. On one condition he said to me who are you going to support in the cricket? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm dead serious that's what he asked me. <laughs> he, he really put me on the spot there. I can show sure. oh, you. Man I thought I'm not going to get these things. So. <laughs> uh, anyway he was a good guy I said of course don't ask me the tough question so. You and it confirms to us doesn't it? Confirms authenticity. It confirms Uh, The the, the authority confirms ownership. And so for myself and others who are are citizens here in this country, we are adopted citizens of Australia. By virtue of the fact that that authority has been vested to us now by the government of this nation to enjoy the rights and privileges just as much as those who are born here. So there we have it. And similarly, the Holy Spirit certifies His promise, His pledge to us and our status in Christ. The Holy Spirit is, is keeping, is, is God keeping His promise to pour out the Spirit. And God's deed of purchase of His people is by the precious blood of Christ, and is applied. Let me explain it this way. Jesus' death on the cross, His blood shed on the cross, it means nothing unless the Holy Spirit applies that to our hearts, right? Okay? So the Holy Spirit takes that work of Christ, and he applies it to my heart, bringing about conversion, that we are born of the Spirit, not of flesh and blood, born of the Spirit, and the Spirit does his work of, if I say regeneration, that will be, it's very simple, of new births, being born again, and he applies the work of Christ in a sinner's life, and confirms what Christ has done by sealing that person with the, with the Spirit of God. You see what I'm saying? I mean, this is amazing things. This is, this is amazing news. That God the Father, the Heavenly Father, God the Creator is involved. God the Son is involved in redemption. And God the Holy Spirit is involved in applying that. We have the work of the triune God at work in an individual's life. Do you see that in your life this morning? This awesome God, this indescribable God, has taken you individually and has redeemed you by his precious blood and has sealed you with his spirit. And collectively, the church now becomes his possession. (laughs) What an encouragement, friends, to us that is. You know, moments when you feel in your life, the moments when you feel low. The moments you feel everything is falling apart and things are crumbling in your life. And there are days like that. Are they not? Or are you always whistling while you work every day, 24-7? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, please, by the way. But there may be moments, there may be moments in our lives when we go through the valleys. Did you know that Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher, he's one of the guys who suffered spiritual depression <laughs> You wouldn't imagine that, would you? You wouldn't think that. How could that be? You see, moments when you feel that, that, that everything is just crumbling and your life is falling apart. Know this truth. Apply this truth. Take the knowledge you have of God's word in your head and in your heart and apply it and say, No, I am God's prized possession. Sealed. With the Holy Spirit. No matter what may come my way. No matter what challenge may come my way. No matter how dark I might be. In a dark place. Know. That this. That you are God's prized possession. And such a applying of the truth. I trust will help you. To lift you up out of the doldrums. That's what I do with my own life, friends. When I feel low and down, there are moments like that. That I apply this word and I say, look, I am a prized possession of God. And I do not want anything to rob me of the joy of what it means to belong and to be sealed by God. Did you see that? You see, John Calvin said this. John Calvin, as you know, the great reformer. As long as Christ remains at a distance from us, what he has done for us will be of no value to us. That's so true, isn't it? As long as Christ remains at a distance from us, what he has done for us will be of no value to us. This is what Calvin says in his Institutes. It's a great read, by the way. And so, We come to benefit of Christ's accomplishment of redemption for us through the application by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit joins us in Christ by faith and therefore we become partakers of the benefits of redemption in Christ. By being joined to Christ, we benefit with His perfectly holy life and obedience to the Father. Because by ourselves, we can never be totally holy before God. It is the righteousness of Christ. And that gives me freedom. It gives me freedom to be able to live. Because otherwise, I'll be living a messed up life. But to know that that holiness is from Christ himself. Because God has given us the seal of his presence in the spirit in his son. We cry out, Abba. What's the name Abba? What does it mean? Dear Daddy, that's what it means. We use the very word our Savior used. In giving the Holy Spirit as a deposit, God gives us the assurance of His love. He gives us the assurance of eternal security. He gives us the assurance of salvation. What are we sing this morning the second hymn? When we took the offering. Blessed, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of Glory divine. They are of salvation. That's what we are. There's an assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. That's what we see here. See, we are given that assurance. Notice what Paul says, the work of the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 5. The hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The love that God has for us in, in Christ has been shown by the Holy Spirit. Who then can separate us from the love of Christ? No one and nothing. And the sealing of the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of our inheritance. And so let me move on to the second point. Here. What is this inheritance? What is this inheritance? Paul has not given us a description here of the inheritance that we have here. Let me refer to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. See that? That is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Where is it kept for you? Where is it kept? It's kept where? In heaven. In heaven. For you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. So this inheritance is incorruptible, that is, it will not decay. It is undefiled, that is, it is not of any dirty money or anything like that. It is unfading, it's not like a flower, it fades away. It is always there. Kept in heaven, incorruptible, undefiled, unfading, it is secure and reserved for us. Further, the Apostle Paul says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing, and for revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage of corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. I know it's a massive passage, but, but that's what we see Paul, Paul is saying that, and, and, and he, he writes further, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning, together in pains of childbirth until now. And the Apostle Paul is saying that the physical creation is not incidental. It is part of God's plan. And the redeemed community is going to enjoy all of those blessings. And so part of this redemption, part of this inheritance is this. It's kept for us in heaven. Secondly, the creation itself is going to be liberated. The third thing we see is also this. That at the second coming of Jesus... In the twinkling of an eye, 1 Corinthians 15, the dead will be resurrected and all people will hear the final verdict. God's people will have a new and glorious body as resurrected ones. We are finally, fully and forever adopted as sons and daughters of God. Know that, friends, this inheritance is kept in heaven. It is unfaded for us. It is there for us. It is given for us. And one day, when Christ returns, in the twinkling of an eye, the soul will be joined to the body. Somehow, those who are alive will be transformed. We will receive a glorious new body. How's that? A body without cancer. A body without the aches and pains. A body... That will not decay and see death. A body that will be lasting. A body that is fit and made for the new heavens and the new earth. Do you see that? That's the inheritance that is ours. See, we will fully and forever live in the accepting presence of God and of Christ Living as Adam did before the fall in Genesis chapter 3. And in this glorious state in the new heaven and new earth, sorrow and suffering, sickness and death as we read from Revelation chapter 21 will no longer exist. For God will nourish and sustain each and every one of his children with perfect and abundant life. It will be a home of righteousness, friends. How about you this morning? What an encouragement to know that our inheritance in Christ is safe and secure. The deposit, the down payment has been paid and is sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day when the full inheritance will be ours to enjoy. You see, in this world, there is suffering. I mean, John prayed this morning. We have violence, domestic violence increasing in Australia. Did you know that? How sad that is? In a land of plenty and wanton. We put on our TV news on at 6 o'clock or whatever. You hear of people being stabbed and bashed. And I say, what is going on? <laughs> Locally, internationally, globally, it's all happening. We see the rampant path of evil and destruction and chaos. And one day, In God's providence, His prized possession, His people, they will inherit the new heavens and the new earth, a perfect place prepared for you and me. Does that encourage you this morning? Do you see that? A day is coming when God will sum up all things in the risen Christ, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. According to one story, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon, he hung up a sign on the door of his study. The two words. Perhaps today. Perhaps today. <laughs> two words on his study door. Each time he went into that study and he came out, he saw those words. Perhaps today. And he posted this sign. To remind himself that Jesus could come back at any time that today might not end before Christ returns to judge this world. And it was those words that kept him going. The hope that he has in Christ. What greater comfort could there be than for us friends to know that we will live before the face of God forever. Free from sin and all pain and all its causes. There will come a day when there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sadness, no more sickness, no more heartaches, no more tears. There will come a day when no more pain will fill the heart and no more tears will fill the eyes. So, in the meantime, How should we live as Christians? Well, one, we live knowing that we are God's prized possession, as we saw in the text here. Right? That's the first thing. We hold on to that hope. Secondly, we live with the assurance of our salvation. As I said, that assurance is confirmed, applied in Christ through the Spirit. So if there's anyone here who is doubting your salvation, you might have sat in this church for many years, and, when, and if someone was to ask you today, if you were to die right now, where will you be? What would you say? What would you say? Are you sure that you'll go to heaven? Or would you be saying, I'm not really sure. I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think I've lived a good life. I don't think God will accept me. How would you say that? You see, you come back to God's word, where he says to you this morning, that if you believe in my son Jesus, you have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, forgiven of your sins, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, you are mine. Thirdly, friends, live knowing that when life seems impossible, rejoice in the gift of salvation in Christ, knowing that you are God's prized possession, And that our inheritance in Christ is untouchable. That there is a future uh, ahead of us. A future that God will do and bring all things under the headship of Christ. And renew in a new earth and new heavens. Fourthly, live by giving praise to God. For his spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms that God has poured out to us. Fifthly, we are God's people, we are God's possession, therefore we live for God's glory. The Apostle Paul brings that out, isn't it? In the text here in verse 14. Notice the words at the end of that text. To the praise of whose glory? Yours? Mine? No. To the praise of his glory. See, we are saved. To sing the praises of God and to live for his glory. Whose glory are you living for today? Is it God's? Think about that friends and give praise and thanks to God. For our inheritance that is ours in Christ. Untouchable, undefiled, kept in heaven unfading for you and for me, for his people. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have sealed us with your Holy Spirit. You have brought a people unto yourself from every tribe, language, and nation. We thank you, Lord, for the inheritance that is ours in Christ. No ear has heard, no eye has seen, but God has prepared for his people. We live by faith, trusting you, Lord. We long for the day when that deposit will be made a reality in the fullness of time that we can claim our inheritance in Christ because you have first claimed us to yourself. Lord, I pray this morning your blessing upon each and every person here, Lord, that we will rejoice in these blessings and live for your glory and praise. In Jesus name. Amen.